uh, used to re recite Lord's Prayer all the time. Schools, Sunday schools, school assemblies, right through my uh, teenage years, in fact. And um, I just believed that we said those words and really didn't understand them. I did have it on. I had um, and I think we used to repeat those words by rote. But do you know, Jesus didn't intend those to be repeated at him. He really intended us to understand that he was giving us a template for prayer. The ideal pattern us to to our Father in heaven. And uh, Luke, um, the disciples asked Jesus, do you teach us to pray as John taught his disciples? And so he began to teach them. And in any relationship, we have to have healthy communication ongoing. There has to be dialogue going on at all the time. Listening and talking are two important elements of communication. And I believe it's important that we understand that it's no different with our relationship with God. That he wants to talk to us, we read his word, we hear what he has to say, but he longs for us to talk back to him. As a friend, as someone who understands us. So there needs to be dialogue going on at all times, just as you would with a friend. And this is the pattern that Jesus taught. It's a two-way process with conversing with God. I wonder why it is so many people struggle with the idea of prayer. We only need to look at the regular number of attendees at any church prayer meeting across the world. I know you struggle. They're not sure how to pray, do they? Are on the floor, do they lie on the floor? Do they have their hands raised? Do they put hands together? Do they look up to heaven? Do they speak in a pontificating sort of voice? Then we just dialogue and converse with Jesus. Our heavenly Father says, I'm going to hear them. So the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, is, and we're going to look at it now in a little deeper depth. It's a corporate prayer. He starts off. Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father. He doesn't say, my Father, and exclude the disciples. He says, our We are in this together. This is a corporate prayer. We are praying together for We are remembering brothers here across the world, saying, our Father. It's what I call in the plural and not the singular. So Jesus uses the terms our, us, and me. He doesn't say I, me, my. It's all about us. So he includes, includes the disciples in the understanding that God is their father's work. Gives us a sense of belonging, doesn't it? We've had that this week of praying, our father. We're all in the body of Christ, so this is about our. Now, he also uses the word painter, which was the Greek equivalent to the Arabic word Abba. And to render that it's that very intimate understanding that is what Jesus was saying. This is a relationship of trust and intimacy between child and father. So, the picture of a child holding on to dad's hand, or dad holding on to child's hand, guiding and leading. So Jesus is teaching here that we can enjoy a personal relationship of trust 
and intimacy with our Father because he's our Father and we submit our lives to him because he is our Father. We have to learn about this. This is so amazing that Jesus said we can call him our Father because no other religion across the world says that we can do this except Christianity. Christ followers, we can call him our Father. Now I understand that the people today struggle to they may have been abused by their earthly father. People might have been unloved by him, rejected by their earthly father. Some fathers have been absent. So for me in my life, my father was largely absent in most of my growing up years. And I didn't meet him again until I was almost 30. So when I came to think about calling God my father, I'll tell you what happened to me. I had a picture of an absent. Where was he? He wasn't there when I called him. Where was God? This lingered in my heart for many years, and I had to come to terms with that. The way I began to deal with it was to understand that if I looked at Jesus, he's the inexpressible image of God, isn't it? He's the expressed image of God. And with Jesus, I looked at the soul and loved him. And I looked at God, he sent Jesus his son to die for me. This was my father. So I could see and relate to God like that. It took a long time to understand. I also looked at my husband, Paul, because Paul was a good earthly father, as many of you are here today. And he brought a country to but all he was there for his love sustained them, provided things, great things going on in our family. And I just began to realize my father, he's my father, but he's our together collectively. So Romans 8 15 tells us this, and by him we cry. Other father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit as children. What an amazing truth today. Galatians 4 6 confirms that we can use the name I need you, Daddy. Because you are his son, this God sent spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit calls out Abba Father. That's the spirit of Jesus. He's like, I orphans. I will come again to you and I'll send the spirit. So not only do we see this as a corporate prayer that we all take part in, but it's a worship prayer. Because Jesus starts this prayer with our Father, who is in heaven. So he's already saying God is overall. He's supreme, he reigns over everything. And we need to recognize who God actually is. We need to be in all God our Father. Psalm 150 verse 3 says this, our God is in he does whatever pleases him. We serve a God who has everything about us. He has everything under control. So Jesus wants us to know God is in heaven. He sees all. He reigns on the church. He is ruler over everything. He must take place, first place in our lives. He is to be preeminent in our hearts and our lives. Therefore, let us allow him to rule over every aspect of our personal lives, our mindfulness, our jobs. Our finances, our decision making. Let's him be preeminent in all things. Now, Jesus prays this prayer and he shows us the right order that we have and the right pattern to follow. So, for the first half, it is centered on God alone, our Father who is in heaven. The second half of prayer deals with our needs and our prayers. So, he talks firstly about the concept. Praise and worship of our Lord. Because he says, hallowed 
being your name. That's a very old-fashioned term. It's holy, holy is your name. We are to recognize God's holiness from right? No matter how we do it, holy is your name, Lord, I come to you. I want to be holy like you. That's what it's all about. We want to reverence his holy name. Um, Revelation 4, verse 8 says, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Never-ending God, infinite form, no beginning, no end. We are to worship this God. So we begin our praying, God in heaven, you are one I can worship. You are great God, and we know all things. You are omniscient and omniscient. So our prayers to God should always start with his heart. Adoration. Worship of who he is and what he's done for us. Then he continues to pray, let God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's an amazing prayer because in heaven there is absolute unity and agreement between the God and God. Let there be light in the world. Let us create man just that. So our design must be that God's reign and his rule must take place on earth as it does again. So when we pray that, we are praying that to his heart is. We're actually praying, Lord, man, what is your will done when the purpose is done in people's lives on earth, in my family's my friends' lives, in the life of the church, in the life of the city of Winchester. But this has to start with us, you know. Not just pray that and expect we have to put him first in every area of our life, our personal life and our corporate lives. Prayer. Now, our individual prayers and praying for one another helps to empower us to believe that God will answer prayer. We heard this morning God answers prayer. So if he answers prayer, he will hear our prayers. Well, we declare the gospel. He promises to save souls, and that's exactly. Jesus wants us to do to be his witnesses. We are in this together. We are his body. It's corporate praying that we're doing. So he encouraged the disciples to then move on and pray about more personal things. And we see number three that his prayer is more specific. It's a prayer for provision. Okay, so after we praise God, we can say, Lord, bring to you now my needs. Jesus recognized that his disciples had physical needs because he was human. As the son of man, he was hungry, he thirsted, he was tired. He needed to set himself apart and rest. He had the same daily needs that we have. So he taught us to ask God every day for daily bread. Now he knew that we needed sustenance, we needed clothing, we needed to be able to eat, we needed to live. To raise our families, to be good citizens. He knew all this. He knows all this. And so when we pray in our daily prayer, we're acknowledging our dependence on God. We are dependent on we need. We are not going to be self-dependent. We're not going to be self-sufficient and self-reliant. Because when we become self-sufficient, we actually say, really, in our hearts, I don't know you, Lord. I don't need you, Lord. I don't have a need of what you can give and offer. But the Lord says, I want to be the one who supplies all your needs. I want you to rely on me for your daily bread, your sustenance for life. Jesus went on to talk to his disciples about 
fact that he knows we need he talked about the flowers of the fields and the birds in the air being supplied with everything they need and sustained by God. If he would do that for those, what more would he do for us? He has a care for you and me today. You have physical and financial needs. Whatever that burden is, you can bring it to Jesus because he's there. And that's not really right. He knows we need it. However, God doesn't promise us to give us everything we want. <laughs> That's the big difference, because if we had everything we wanted, you know what would happen? We would become greedy. We would become self-centered. But when we have just what we need, I believe we depend on God. And God wants us to share all the we have with others. He doesn't want us to speak up so greedy. We just take everything for, our, for ourselves. He wants us to recognize everything we own and possess belongs to him in the first place. He has given it all to us. These things are only on loan to us. We can't take these things with us when we go. We leave them behind. God says, I know what you have to do. And the words will give us this day our daily bread. You all need daily bread. There are people out there who need daily bread, and they need us to share our spiritual daily bread with them and our physical daily bread. My mother told us a great example when we were growing up. She exemplified this to us. It was in the 50s when I was growing up. And uh, we were quite poor because of problems and wealth and poverty. We didn't see him much. He lived in America, we were in England, and it was a time of situation in love And she struggled to put the hand together. But do you know, she always prayed every day, and every moment we heard about an elderly man just walk up the road from us in another house. He lived in the dilapidated house. And he was very poor, he was bedridden, he was ailing. And um, we began to hear about him, we didn't know him. So every week, my mother would prepare a roast dinner for us. That was a good one meal a week. And it was out of it, she put a fifth on the table and she would put on that plate, a roast of potatoes, a chicken or a beef or whatever, and the vegetables and gravy. And she sent it off to him with a drink. Tea up to the seldom man, he would take it, drop it off. We didn't even know this man's name. The man would say thank you. This went on for a long, long time until that little vindicate died. And I always remember thinking, but there was always plenty on the books. And this is what she was trying to teach his children to give, give to others, be given back to you. Give to the Lord and he won't get you. And share what you have with us. So that was the testimony to that man. And people came about and we had no relatives to take care of him. We learned a lot about being generous and kind. And the generosity and thoughtfulness of my mother really meant something to us. And it taught a lot about sharing and later on. You know, God knows what we need. You know, it's God's very fair. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, that prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. Because He's a loving God, He desires to bless us. And when we love Him, put Him first, He does just that. He makes provision for us in our daily lives that gives us so much. But He desires that we pass on to others the blessings that we have in our own lives. We can help to meet other people's lives. Now, Jesus highlights in His teaching on. Prayer, the need for us all 
fixed to keep our relationships healthy and strong. So fourthly, he goes on to pray for our relationships and he highlights forgiveness we are in We have debts we cannot He has paid more. But we will be created in God's image and made for relationships. As I said earlier, the Trinity declared those made that in our own image and likeness. And they did just that. That was true unity and agreement working in and of course, we know that when sin came into the world throughout the week, that was spoiled. That lovely image was spoiled by a hugely green man, this burden. And God paid a price for us to be released and to have a new life in Him. But He taught us, didn't He, that as He forgives us, we need to forgive us. And Jesus taught us by His words and actions that we need to forgive one another. Remember that I was met out of the group, He said, Forgive your sins. People with the right word and people say, I'm going to say forgive your sins. It's much easier for God to say, Jesus to say those words than even to say, rise up and take it And so Jesus is able to do that at the end of the day, but that's the end of the restoration. So he says, Can you pray? Your heart is for me. Will you come to me with your heart? Will you forgive your sins, but also? Because we are people who have that problem. These things happen in life, but we have to be very strong. We apply the biblical truth to fitness, and our relationships can be restored. Paul and I have been accredited um, marriage counselors for work for 30 years. And in all the years that we've counseled individuals and married couples, we have always noticed that the issue of forgiveness has been a huge biggie. Because communication often breaks down, that's huge as well. And then people don't forgive each other because of things that are said and done. And once they understand that we have a part to play in this breakdown in our relationship, we begin to see God has restored me. So we begin to I must forgive my brother, my sister, my husband, my wife, my sibling, my friend. And so we have seen that. Illness has played a huge part. So that's what God is asking us here in our prayer. His thoughts help us to forgive others just as He's forgiven us. It's very humbling for us to admit when we're wrong, isn't it? It's not easy to think. But if we don't ask forgiveness from those who need forgiveness from us, um, or we don't ask forgiveness for things we've done, then actually we put a blockage in our hearts and our relationship with God. Because Jesus says in Matthew 4, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. So there's a consumption on Jesus' part that we need to forgive other people. And that's because God is a forgiving God and we're creating his likeness. And because of this, it's us to forgive one another. Unfortunately, it's not always that easy. We have known people who have huge burdens for years because they have not been willing to ask for forgiveness from someone or to forgive brother or sister. So we can't proceed to pray for other things in our prayers unless we complete the whole of the forgiveness process. God, will you forgive me as I forgive those who sin against me? A spirit of unforgiveness in our hearts impact us, always affect our ongoing relationship with God. Our joy disappears, doesn't it? And we find that we struggle to let down all those things 
became business if I had a lot. You know, some of us carry bad news and still cause us to be unforgiving. Many years ago, I was a young teenager, a very young teenager, and I was affected greatly by someone in authority in the church. This person was an elder, someone I felt I could trust, but this person tried to take advantage of my beauty, my innocence, my youthfulness, my love for Jesus. And I was in a difficult situation, but God was good. As I prayed to him, he came and protected me, looked after me, and it was years again uh, later that I spoke to the person. I had to pray during those years that the Lord would help me to forgive the person what he had intended to do against me. I knew I needed to apply forgiveness. If I hadn't have done that, I did that for years and years and years. It could have affected my relationship with all my children, my friends. Didn't, because I was able to all the words of Matthew 6. Your father, will you forgive me? Is there a person here today? You know you've been wounded by someone. You need to perhaps um, ask them just to let them know that you've forgiven them. Maybe someone has wounded you. Maybe you need to give your forgiveness of to them. We all are individuals here today. We all have personal feelings. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 14, that Rebecca read, if you forgive other people when they sin, your heaven, I will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Wow, what a statement. But it actually means God's hands are tied. We tie his hands to forgive us if we don't forgive others. So it's a really important thing to us to understand that we need to complete forgiveness process that Jesus sets out in his prayer. Our relationships with other people are always two-way process. It's a two-way dialogue, both in our conversation and in our forgiveness. So we see the Lord's prayer is not just one that's about praying corporately as a body, remember each other. It teaches us about who God is and how we should worship him. It speaks of our vision, our daily bread, our needs being met. Him. It talks about relationships and forgiveness. I won't be looking at the there, but it finally offers us an appropriate prayer for protection. So the fifth point I have gleaned from this scripture today, he offers us his divine protection and we pray for it. But he sends his words, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this words not sound unusual because no one does attempt people to sin. The believer Bible tells us he doesn't lead us into sin. In fact, James 1.13 tells us when you attempt to do it, what would you say? God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And many of the Psalms that we read ask God to lead us in his ways of life and acts of righteousness. So Psalm 5, verse 8 says, Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness, because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. So we're asking God to lead us in true paths. Psalm 27, verse 7 says, Teach me your way, Lord, lead me in a straight path. Now, the psalmist David wrote these words because his enemies were his oppressors. They were seeking to bring him down, to destroy his life, to destroy his kingship, 
to take him away from God's intended path for him and to destroy him. For us, our enemy is Satan. He seeks to destroy our faith. He seeks to bring us low. He seeks to tempt us. He, causes, he wants to cause us to fall into sin. So the words of the Lord's Prayer need to be understood rather as our asking the Lord not to allow or permit us to be led into sinful ways by the enemy, but to provide us with his divine protection. Every day, so that we don't sin. So, our prayer is Lord, we don't want to fall into sin. Help us to follow you so that we avoid falling into sinful ways. When we pray with an intention in our hearts and that understanding, then God will provide us with His protection. But we have to stay within the boundaries, don't we? That means every day we need to pray, Lord, we protect these days and we have to work as my companies as I face it. Situation where I know people might be blaspheming your name or people might be making jokes about Christianity. Help me to avoid sinning. Keep my words pure. Keep my heart pure. Keep me on your straight paths. Keep me within in the boundary of your protection. James 4 7 says, Submit yourself to the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's amazing, isn't it? Resist him in the name of the Lord. He will flee. Come near to God and he will come near to you. So we can claim his divine protection when we submit our lives to him every single day. Jesus has given us the template for prayer. He gives us the power to resist the devil's wiles, and the devil flees from us because he knows the power that is in us is greater than his own power and his own temptation. We need to pray every day for his protection of our thoughts, our words, our minds. Our spirits, our hearts, our bodies. Every day before you go out to work, before you go to school or college, before you meet your neighbours, before you interact, wherever you go, it's so important. So, just in conclusion, I trust that looking at God's prayer today in these five ways will help you to understand how important prayer was to Jesus, how important it should be to us, and how it should be a part in our lives every single day. Just as we talk to our husband, wife, friends, our neighbours, and colleagues. So we need to talk to God. And if we're not, it's a one-sided conversation that God is having with us. You're here today because someone took the time to pray for you. Someone way back prayed for you, Jack, um, Bill, Tony, Nidhi. Someone prayed for you and you're here today and you'll be blessed. The seeds of prayer that were planted many years in the hearts of the saints for this church are being fruitful today and being fruitful in your life too. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. We all know about his prayer, how he went, drops of blood. He found his disciples sleeping while he went. And he said, Could you not stay away? It was his hour of need when the back and read again, they kept sleeping. The strength and the life of this church lies in the strength of the prayers of the church and the prayer meeting of this church. One day, Jesus might well ask you and me, could you not pray to me just for one hour? And I wonder what we might reply. Now, I have heard it said, seven prayer days make one week. W-E-A-K. I believe God wants us to be a prayer for people as individuals, and corporately as his body, because then 
they become powerful. That makes us powerful. We found that out this last week when we pray God answers prayer. It's simply our dialogue, dialogue and communication every day with Father. So if Jesus needed to spend that time in prayer, how much more do we need to do? We've just completed this week of prayer. We've seen much fruit in our own personal lives. I believe it will impact our personal prayer life church. We are going to see fruit produced because of prayers every day. Because while waiting on God, God's going to change us. So can I encourage us to be prayerful people, to be engaged in prayer every day, to be at the prayer meeting whenever possible. I know it's not always possible, but just try to be there. Not only will you be blessed, and God will be blessed, but everyone will be blessed. We bless each other, don't we? Okay, let's give us this one of the pattern of prayer to the world. I trust you can really be blessed by it. In the spirit, I just want to say that God has answered our prayers since the time we started praying. I was talking to Catherine Asylum as well this the other night. We started praying way, way further, and then during the of Zoom. And that God has been at work, he said, before they call our grandson, his The fruits of our prayers are seen. Now, that the prayers that were prayed over the past few years, many years in this church, pre-COVID, during COVID, we prayed that God would send us great uh, things, that he would send us mature and spiritually wise people God has been doing. We prayed in when we opened the church, we would see increase. The very first Sunday we opened, we had increase of people joining our church. Yes, this is continued. We prayed. Lord, we can bring us a new pastor and right to the church. We don't want to baptize again. No more. What did God do? He brought St. Jane there into our church way before they became pastors of the church. He brought them here and bring us. God has been answering our prayers, and we need to thank Him for that. We need to give Him praise for that. And we need to go and pray for difficult situations that we face personally and as a church. And as we do that, as we pray together, God will make us a powerful. May God bless you. Amen.